Hey, welcome to the Endout Show. We got a great show for you today, but first, I want to remind you, you only have a couple more days left to get this free resource. GN23 is the promo code at endout.ca. Go to the store, and it's a great book about good news, the greatest news actually of all. So if you are a seasoned believer or you are just curious about the good news of Jesus, uh, this is for you. And so head over to the website, grab it, because starting April 1st, it ain't no joke. These are going to be about 8 or $10. So get your copy now before they're gone. These are all that's left. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Endowed Show. Happy Monday, folks. Happy Monday, Monday. Brendan and Chris. Happy Monday. You who are listening right now and watching, happy Monday to you. Thank you, live studio audience. Hey, it is good to be together. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing well. Awesome. I'm doing well, too. Brendan? Fantastic. Oh, Brendan. Wow, that's interesting. Well, Donnie is here, too, though. My split personality comes out Donnie's here, and I wonder, Donnie, why are you? How can you make today great? Thank you for asking, folks. Um, the Good News Booklet, that's what makes Monday great today. This Monday, you can get this book for free, let me tell you. And it's free. I never give away anything for free. Why? Because that costs a lot of money. I can afford it, but I don't because I need to make money, not lose money. And this ministry is costing the ministry a lot of money to do this. So take advantage of it. It's terrific. It's fantastic. Wow, that was a really good sales pitch. Thanks, Donnie. Yeah, thanks, Donnie. <laughs> Again, only a couple, <laughs> couple, couple more days. And then starting April 1st, actually, we have this book that's going to be available for free as well. Whoa. For the whole month. And I'm not going to let Donnie do this one. That's so cool. Oh. He's a... Uh, yeah, whatever. Cool. Well, that's fine. Wow. <laughs> Canceled. No. Um, Before You Share Your Faith, a book by Matt Smethurst. Smethurst. That is the correct way of that's saying right. it. Some people say it incorrectly, but that is the correct way. Someone in the office says it incorrectly. I'm not going to name names, but his name rhymes with... Pen, like Penn and Teller, <laughs> like Penn and Teller, which we'll also talk about later today. Ben. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's with us today. He's going to be joining us on a Zoom call all the way from Richmond, Virginia. But this book is fantastic. Five Ways to Be Evangelism Ready. Uh, it has blessed me immensely. I know it'll bless you too. And so starting April 1st, you can get the copy for free. The promo code is SYF for Share Your Faith, SYF23. That's the code you can put in doubt.ca in the store. And you can get this book for free. And so before we jump in the call with him, um, I'd like to share a story today, actually. The floor, the floor is yours, Andrew. Story time with Andy. This is your Andy. show, after all. <laughs> no, this it's is not. your show. This is our show, <laughs> Don. This better not be boring. Story time. Story time with Andrew. Last summer, I was uh, struggling with, uh, this is not funny, uh, anxiety and Sorry. depression oh, and panic terrible. attacks. Yeah, so stop laughing. Um, it was a very hard year last year for me. It lasted about nine or ten months. Thankfully, by God's grace, I'm getting out of the woods. But in this dark season, uh, I had a great opportunity to evangelize and share the gospel with an old neighbor. So uh, I walked by his place, because we go for walks often, and I uh, just kind of shared what I was going through, some of the struggles. I was, I was on sick leave and on a sabbatical to just try to do counseling and, and improve and get better, healthy, healthy mind, healthy body. But um, he started sharing some of the things he's going through. And uh, so we talked. I asked if I could pray for him. He was having some physical, uh, physical pain. And so we prayed together. I left. And I prayed with him a couple times. And, uh, I've lived beside him for about six years. And anyway, so fast forward a couple of days after that, he called me and said, you know, you need to call me right away. He left a voicemail. So I called him back and he said, hey. And he started sharing that he's having panic attacks. And the reason why he called me to talk about it is because I shared that I was having panic attacks. And so maybe that's one, one aspect to, you know, be real with people. Uh, it's important to just be authentic. We don't have to be smiling all the time and pretend that we have our lives together. Anyway, so uh, I asked him, you know, I told him Jesus is the only way to get out of this pit that we were both in. And so I asked him if he had a Bible. He said no. And so I texted him like, you know, can I get you a Bible? And he responds immediately with how soon can you get here? And so I rushed to chapters. I get a Bible. I drive to his house and we sat for about a couple hours and just went through the entire gospel. At the end of it, he's in tears, I'm in tears, and he asks, I want to accept Jesus into my life right now. I talked to him about baptism. I didn't tell you guys this, but I talked to him about baptism. He said, should mm. we go to the tub right now? Really? Should you dunk oh, me right cool. now? And I'm like, we can. 
And he said, well, maybe I'll wait for my family and, you know, my son and my wife and stuff. And so, um, but uh, he was just eager and uh, ready to just give his life to Jesus. Wow. And we wept together. We prayed together. And I'll never forget that moment driving home and, uh, you know, just thinking, wow, thank you, God, for panic attacks and anxiety and depression, because it was that that actually got our conversation going. And it's just a reminder that God mm. uses us when we're broken and when we're well. We yeah. don't have to be yeah. well to be used. And I found God using me in so many ways in that broken time. And I felt mm. my boldness of sharing my faith with people just uh, kind of skyrocketed in a time where I thought I wouldn't be doing that at all. Mm -hmm. And so um, I encourage you, whether you're well or you're broken, it doesn't matter what season you're in, God could use you in amazing ways. And and so we're going we're gonna to dive into this book. But um, I, I find with family specifically, it is very hard to open my mouth and share about the good news. I don't know if it's fear of rejection or being excommunicated from my family or friends, close friends. And so, uh, you know, Matt has a lot of great tools and great resources in this book to help uh, you and really any listener, because we're all called to share our faith. That's right. And to share it boldly and confidently. And, you know, we were talking earlier before the show started of, you know, we don't find ourselves in a lot of situations where we share where we, we can share. Mm -hmm. You know, we go to Christian schools or Christian universities. We work for Christian organizations or work at a church. Or Where do we go to even share? Um, and so I encourage you in that too, that you make places where you are in environments that are desperate for the gospel yeah. and for truth. We need to be bold with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Chris, I don't know if you caught that. He said his neighbor, and he drove home. What? We got oh, yeah, a so huge. He, he just got, backed yeah. out of the one driveway into, and then into the, pulled in his, <laughs> the other. Driveway on your way home, you thought about this. So yeah. you drove to your neighbor's. Was he your next door neighbor, or where was? He's was, my next door neighbor. We got a <laughs> we got a huge property. Got twenty acres. Oh, that's terrific. Actually, I took a helicopter from my backyard <laughs> to to his backyard. Actually, let me let me set the record straight. Old neighbor. Old neighbor. Now I live four how doors old is, down. How old is he? Oh. Yeah, I thought you meant like a senior. He's elderly. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. So, so no longer your my neighbor. previous young neighbor. <laughs> Let the record show. I used to live right by him. Now I'm five doors down, so I had to drive. Oh, okay. five oh, doors! Yeah. Holy smokes! Ooh. Well, it could be large properties. You know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We moved a few blocks away. I technically could have walked, but I had to drive to Chapters to get the Bible first. And so I just drove straight from chapters to his house. Andrew, you're the reason our planet is dying. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're destroying our planet. You don't know what I drive. Oh, that's true. Do what you drive a Tesla? <laughs> it's a VH Chevy. <laughs> <laughs> and I rev really hard. Wow, me too. At every red light. No, I'm just kidding. This is getting terrible. Um, is Matt, Donnie, is Matt ready for our interview? I think he is. I think we got it all set up now to go. Let's go. <laughs> Why don't you get to, the, get to the interview. All right. So we have Matt Smethurst. It's Smethurst. Some people pronounce it incorrectly, but that is the correct way. Matt Smethurst. How are you? All the way from Richmond, Virginia. How are you doing today, man? Yeah, doing well. Thanks so much for having me, Andrew. Good to be with you. Yeah, this is awesome. So uh, I'm really excited to dive in and talk about your uh, your book. I know this is a series, part of a series. So you had a book that you released before this book called Before You Open Your Bible. And uh, this is your second book, Before You Share Your Faith. Now, for all those who are listening on podcast or you're watching on YouTube right now, this is a free resource for the month of April. Uh, so for the whole month, you can get this book for free, which is amazing. You just have to type in the code SYF23, share your faith, SYF23, and you can get yourself a copy just for the month of April. But uh, but Matt, before we dive into your book, I want to hear about your story, your journey. Maybe tell our listeners who don't know who you are, what you're up to, where you are, your family, and what your ministry life looks like these days. Where I am, well, I am not in as cool of a studio as you. Uh, <laughs> so I, I want to apologize uh, mainly to viewers. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you live from a cubicle and that's why there's an echo. And uh, I'm 
yeah, I didn't come to this interview sufficiently prepared. So I'm, uh, I'm actually on my <laughs> holding up my phone. So that's why it looks a little, <laughs> a little Jerry rigged. Um, you, you can, you can continue looking down on Americans. It's fine. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. So yeah, I'm coming, coming from Richmond, Virginia, uh, where we, um, have planted a church. We just turned one year old as river city Baptist church. I'm the lead pastor there. And, uh, it's such a joy to, to be preparing sermons and pastoring God's people. Uh, I have a wife and three young children. Uh, and yeah, those are just a few things. Awesome, man. And so what were you doing ministry-wise pre this plant? I was working full-time for the Gospel Coalition as managing editor for about 10 years and was also serving as an elder in a church in Louisville, Kentucky. So okay. I we had moved to Louisville as newlyweds back in 2009 for me to attend Southern Seminary, and we ended up staying for 12 years and really investing a lot in our church there, which became our sending church um, for this plant here in Richmond. Wow. Amazing, man. And so this is this your first time in ministry, like preaching every week? Yes. Wow. How has that been? That just seems overwhelming to me. You can go online and listen to a sermon and, <laughs> yeah. and de- decide, decide for yourself. Uh, it, it's... Uh, you know, like in like in sports, sometimes athletes get injured and then they're listed as week to week. So I feel like it's hey, it's week to week. But oh the, the Lord, the Lord has actually been super uh, faithful. I've found joy and life in it. Um, I have preached through the first half of Mark's gospel, uh, the whole book of Ruth, and I'm in in a series in Philippians right now, and have just been amazed, freshly amazed at the wonders of God's word and the kind of bottomless nature of, of the book. Um, I also do every Tuesday, I do a sermon preview meeting where any members of the church can come and uh, we open our Bibles to the passage I'll be preaching that Sunday. And I'm not teaching, I'm just typing as people share observations, insights into the text, suggested applications. And it really gives me a running start uh, throughout the week. Wow. That's really cool. That's a great way to also keep people in the congregation involved. Like a very unique way. Yeah. It's been encouraging to a lot of folks and useful to me. Wow. That's awesome. Praise God. That's really cool. Um, Talk about this book a little bit here. I've been reading through it and I've been really enjoying it before you share your faith. Uh, five ways to be evangelism ready. And so we'll talk about those five ways, but maybe give us a little bit of an insight of just your heart behind it, why you felt like you needed to write this. Because I know you mentioned in the book a few times, not that you're bashing other evangelistic, uh, you know, evangelism ready books, but this is a lot different than most evangelism books that are out. Talk about the, maybe the problem that you saw and maybe what you were hoping to accomplish and what it did in your life too. It's probably cliche to say, but I, I wrote the book in large part because I needed this book. Um, I feel like evangelism is is maybe the easiest spiritual discipline not to do. Uh, I think that you know a lot of us might struggle with our prayer lives, for example, but I think even prayer comes easier and more naturally to us than evangelism. Evangelism is so easy to delay, kick the can down the road, wait for a more ideal time, and just end up never really get a, getting around to it often. And so the what what is unique about this book is that I'm not trying to just recreate what others have done so well in typical evangelism books, which focus on how to actually, uh, the mechanics of of sharing your faith, communicating the the good news of Jesus. I'm wanting to start a little more upstream and think about the fact that uh, before we even get into that moment where we can open our mouth and, and declare Christ, other things need to already be settled in our minds and hearts. 
I think so many of us as Christians, we kind of live, we float through life and we sort of um, uh, live as it were on our heels. And especially when it comes to evangelism, you have to be on your toes. You have to live uh, ready for gospel conversations and not simply, you know, I used to pray that the Lord would, uh, that he would, he would lead me to gospel conversations. And I still pray that, but I, I also think there's a sense in which we sometimes need to create them. He wants us not only to, to walk through open doors, but to sometimes open doors ourselves uh, mm-hmm. underneath his ultimate sovereignty. But taking that initiative is not going to happen unless you're living on your toes and you're looking for opportunities to talk about King Jesus. That's huge. That's huge. And I, and I agree with you. It is the hardest thing to do. I, I know, you know, my, um, my wife's grandpa was dying and I remember we went to the hospital and we were just waiting for an opportunity to tell him about Jesus. And it's a crazy story. Uh, he didn't want anything to do with Christianity or faith or whatever. And he said, if anyone comes to a parishioner or a pastor, a minister to come and pray, the answer is no, no one's welcome in the hospital room. And we went in there and my wife was adamant. We're going to tell him about Jesus before he passes away. We have to tell him about Jesus. And so we get in the room and at once everyone kind of left for different reasons. I got to go parking or get a toothbrush or this or that. And the room was empty and it was just us and, and her grandpa. And even in that moment where it was just us, I felt like my mouth was locked. Mm-hmm. Like it was so hard and so uncomfortable and so awkward to just, the guy's on his deathbed and I have this one chance. And for some reason, my mouth was still, and I mean, by the grace of God, we, my mouth unlocked, God unlocked my mouth and I was able to share with him. And he was mm-hmm. basically unconscious the whole time. I shared the entire gospel with him and then I don't even know why I asked him because he wasn't even alert, but I asked him, would you be willing to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And he instantly sits up, fully alert, fully aware, and says, yes. And we pray, and he gives his life to the Lord, and he lays, and he passes away right after that, which was a crazy moment. But I, I surprised myself in that moment with how hard it still was for me. It was still so hard to tell this guy about the gospel. And I asked myself, why is it so hard? I mean, is it because it's family? Is family harder? But I mean, you're obviously showing that there are some things we need to prepare for beforehand Mm -hmm. so that we are ready. And I love Mm -hmm. something that you say in this book. It says, nothing is more worth talking about than Christ, of course. Yet at the same time, nothing is easier to stay silent about. Why do you think it's so hard for believers to be open and evangelize well? I think it's a combination of factors. The most obvious one, I think, in our conscious minds is fear, because we're often conscious of our fear. We we know that uh, there's risk involved. Uh, we could be we could be rejected. We could be mocked. We could just be stumped and not have a kind of ready-made answer for a skeptic's objection. Um, And so I think fear freezes us. But what I try to show in the book is that actually, um, even more than our fear, I think an obstacle that we have to face and surmount is our lack of love. Because if we really loved people enough, and if we really saw them the way God does, then we would overcome our fear in order to communicate the the most important message they would need to hear. And then I would say another factor that we don't want to underestimate is, is the reality of, 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 of spiritual warfare and the, you know, Satan is real and he, he hates people who begin to show interest in gospel things and he will scramble and do anything he can. He and, you know, the satanic forces in order to distract, to derail, to discourage. And so we, we are fighting, uh, fighting a multi-front battle um, every time that we have an opportunity to share Christ. That's huge. So there's fear, which I totally have felt many times. There's lack of love, which is, you know, that's very confronting. Um, I remember listening to a, a guy on, um, online the other day 
Uh, you know those magicians, Penn and Teller? I think their names are Penn and Teller, the really tall guy and the short guy. I don't know if you know them. I think they're in America. Anyways, um, it's as if like America. Oh, you probably know Joe Smith. You know, yeah, he's in America. Um, anyways, uh, this guy, he says, you know what? Because he's an atheist and he says. Well, I, I think I know the quote you're talking about where Penn Gillette talks about how it'd have to be the height of hatred not to share with someone. Yeah, like an atheist yeah. who's saying it. He's saying like, I would be so upset if you actually knew the truth and you didn't tell me. Absolutely. That was eye-opening when you hear from the other side. Okay, we do have this truth. We're afraid to be rejected, but these people are wanting truth. And do we love them enough? And he even mentions that. It's like, if you actually believe it's true and you love us enough, why wouldn't you tell us? Huge, man. That was a huge eye-opener for me. And so, okay, so we see the problems. We see there's fear. We see the lack of love, um, that we're not ready, you know, to have answers from skeptics. What are you, you have some answers for us of how we can prepare before we even open our mouths and get out into the world. And so uh, what are the five ways to be ready, uh, to be evangelism ready? Grasp the gospel. Check your context, love the lost, face your fear, start to speak. I think I got those right. <laughs> Did I? Should I check? I'm going to check your work here. Let me check your work here. <laughs> so grasp the gospel, check your context, love the lost, face your fear, start to speak. Five out of five, bro. Five out of five. You nailed it. Um, can we walk through? Can we walk through each one, if that's okay? And just kind of briefly give our viewers and listeners just an inside of what this book has to offer. So, grasp the gospel. Yeah, I mean, the reason this is first on the list is because without it, there is no list. You, we can't do evangelism if we don't grasp the evangel. That's just oh, the word meaning gospel, the good news of Christianity, um, and we can't we're not ready to think about getting the gospel out unless we've first gotten the gospel right. And so uh, I, I want to be very clear in that first chapter that before this is good news for anyone else, it has to be good news for you. And the way I kind of break it down is in four movements to the gospel story, the ruler, the revolt, the rescue, and your response which wow. is just kind of a combination of creation, fall, redemption, consummation, as well as God, man, Christ response. It's just my own kind of, kind of take on that, but it's, it's a gospel presentation. And, and I, th I guess the only th other thing I would, I would say about that is I think uh, sometimes we can share a, a very privatized, individualized, reductionistic gospel, but I'm wanting to show that the gospel is good news for individual sinners, but also for the, for the cosmos and that, and that, um, you know, heaven came to earth in the person of King Jesus, the future broke back into the present. And for those who are hidden by faith in him, um, and are trusting that he lived the life they should have lived, died the death they deserve to die, rose again on the third day, that one day they too will rise right along with him with resurrected bodies fit for a resurrected earth. Um, and, that I I find I still find to just be the most compelling message uh, in the in the history of the world. Praise God, praise God! It really is, and I love that you can't um, send the gospel out and, unless you have the gospel in and you understand mm -hmm. the foundation. So that's that's so important. So number one, grasp the gospel. Number two, check your context. Walk us through a little bit about what you're talking through there. So th this is my attempt to take discussions regarding contextualization and put the cookies on the bottom shelf. <laughs> and it, it'll, you know, readers will have to determine if I succeeded. But, you know, contextualization just basically means realizing the fact that every time that we communicate truth from God's word, we are doing so not in a cultural vacuum but in a specific cultural context. So it's not that the message changes, but it's that the environment does. And we need to be sensitive to that because every culture has certain 
um, strengths and weaknesses and idols. There are some things which are reflective of the image of God and other things which are reflective of the way that that image has been shattered and marred because of sin. And the Bible is not bound to any one culture. Um, in fact, I think it's evidence that uh, one evidence that the Bible is a supernatural book uh, is that it offends every culture at some point. <laughs> and that's because it's not the product of any one culture. And what I'm trying to communicate in this chapter, check your context is, hey, here's what it means to contextualize the gospel well. It doesn't mean dressing the message up to make Christianity cool. It means breaking the message down to make Christianity clear. It's not about making it cool. It's about making it clear, which means that you, you will know that you've contextualized faithfully if the offense of the cross becomes more understood and felt. And so what we're wanting to do is remove barriers that people might trip over, whether through misunderstanding uh, or, uh, yeah, just, just other blind spots that people might trip over in order for them to, to be able to confront the living Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so I'm, I'm pulling from some places in the New Testament where I think uh, contextualization is happening, not just in Acts, but also 1 Corinthians 1, you know, Jews seek signs, Greeks look for wisdom. But Paul kind of subversively says, yeah, and they're not wrong to be looking for those things, but they're looking for them in the wrong places. Actually, the real power that the Jews are looking for and the real wisdom that the Greeks are looking for is found in this message, which seems like foolishness and weakness to the world. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think in, 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 in modern Western culture, I think things have changed so quickly in recent decades where, uh, you know, if we were having this conversation even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I think we would have been able to assume more common understanding on, on the part of those that we, in, that we encounter in our everyday lives. In other words, we could assume that they're coming into a gospel conversation somewhat furnished mentally, like they have the mental furniture to understand, okay, uh, there is more, there is objective truth. There's right and wrong. There's an afterlife, things like that. Whereas now evangelism is not so much connecting the dots that are already there for people. It's actually putting those dots on their mental map for the first yeah. time. And so you have to start <clears throat> further back. Yeah, that's huge. It's like you need to provide the furniture. It's an empty room. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, that's such a relevant thing in, in our culture today. I feel that's such an important word. Check your context. That's so huge. Love the lost is number three. Yeah, I already mentioned that I think lovelessness is an even greater obstacle to our faithfulness and evangelism than fear. Uh, but what I'm trying to do in this chapter is talk about kind of two ditches, two two ways that we can get this wrong. And it has to do with two different approaches to evangelism. So one would be what's sometimes called friendship evangelism or relational evangelism, uh, where you're really only sharing Christ with those you, you know. The other approach would be what's sometimes called contact evangelism, uh, where you're striking up spiritual conversations with strangers. And I, I kind of am trying to show from scripture that both have warrant and we should we should avoid assuming that only one of those approaches is valid, but both also have dangers. The danger, as you kind of alluded to earlier, Andrew, when you're sharing the gospel with someone you know, there is a greater felt risk of rejection. Hmm. And, and, and so the danger with, with, with relational or friendship evangelism is that it never turns into actual, actual evangelism. <laughs> you, you, you just keep befriending, 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 but you never confront them with the demands of, of Christ. But of course, the danger with street evangelism, as it were, 
um, contact evangelism is that you can, it can be impersonal. It can become manipulative. You can treat people like projects. And so I think rightly understood biblically, both approaches are valid, but the important litmus test is, am I really operating in love? And especially in our cultural moment, which is an age of outrage, you know, it can, it can seem like the, the, emotional temperature on every debate is set to blazing hot. <laughs> I think we have the opportunity as Christians to stand up and stand out and show a more excellent way by modeling a kind of uh, calm, gentle, kind um, approach where we are, we are clear about the truth, but we are communicating it in love Ephesians 4 does not say speaking the truth is love. It says speak the truth in love. So there is a way, there is a wrong way to be right. Wow. There's a wrong way to be right. That's uh, that's confronting as well. This is so good, man. Okay, so we got grasp the gospel. We got check your context, which is huge for our cultural moment. Love the lost. And number four, face your fear. Walk us through that. Yeah. In, in that chapter, I'm, I'm trying to bring the, theology to bear on the practical moment when, the, when we have the opportunity to talk to someone. And I think so often we pass up good, good opportunities because we're waiting for the perfect one. And if you're waiting around for the ideal evangelistic scenario, you're probably going to be waiting around forever. Um, hmm. I, I also think it's worth mentioning because of the way Satan, uh, can discourage us and convince us we're not, we're not capable. We're not equipped. We're not knowledgeable. We're not ready. Here's just the anecdotal reality for my life. Uh, the evangelistic interaction always goes better than I feared. Now I've had a couple experiences that have not gone so well, but it, it's a. I feel like ninety six percent of the time, the conversation that we so dread uh, goes better than we feared, and and I think that just goes to show that it's not logic keeping us from talking to people, <laughs> it's fear and it's the evil one. Totally, and I feel fear and logic they don't coexist. Once that's that fear right. is just illogical to think the worst case scenario and never experience it. And it's also worth remembering that people who reject the gospel are not finally rejecting us. They're rejecting God. It might feel like they're rejecting us, but we, we really shouldn't take it personally. We're just, we're just the messengers delivering the mail. You know, someone can get angry at the postal worker bringing the mail, but Ultimately, their job is just to deliver the mail and not to tamper with it along the way. Um, and, and in fact, tampering with mail is a federal offense. And so we, we should never edit the message. We should never mm. um, uh, seek to, you know, the, the Trinity is not in the market for editors. And so we should never try to, the Bible is not a rough draft and we, we ought not treat it as such. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And, and I think that's really important for people who are, trying to share the gospel and the truth with family worried about the fear of the family disowning you or, you know, mm -hmm. coming against you. I guess that's why maybe the fears escalate a little bit, but, um, yeah, face that fear. If you really love, you got to overcome that. And I think that's such a huge reminder. Uh, the last one is start to speak in, in, I thought this one was really fascinating because you bring up a quote in there that I've heard Christians, many Christians say over and over again. And the quote is this, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. And I understand people try to imply that we ought to love people with our actions and serve, etc. But that could be a very dangerous quote. Uh, can you let us know why that quote is actually pretty much unbiblical? Well, it's unbiblical because it's it's nonsensical. I will say that I, that it's well intentioned. I understand mm -hmm. people basically mean, "Hey, don't be don't be a hypocrite. Make sure that you are living in a way that is compelling and a, and that your actions are, are adorning the gospel you preach." 
I'm of course all for that. But to say, preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary, is like saying, feed the hungry at all times, and if necessary, use food. The gospel is words. It's a message. It's a, yeah. it's a news. It's a breaking news headline from the press room of heaven mm. that the king has come and he has done everything necessary to restore us into a right relationship with God and that he holds out mercy in his hands to those who have rebelled against his, his throne and his majesty. And that cannot be communicated through actions. It requires, it requires uh, words. And so that's why I, um, I bring up that, that quote. And, 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 and in terms of what I'm trying to do more broadly in that chapter, so start to speak is just say, hey, you know, we can prepare all we want, but at some point we are going to have to take that step of faith, swallow hard and open our mouth and trust God with the results that, that, you know, Bill Bright famously defined evangelism as communicating the good news of Jesus and the power of the Holy spirit and leaving the results to God. And at some point we just have to do our best and, and leave our, our fits and starts, our stumbles, our failures in his hands and trust that he really doesn't need us in order to bring his people to himself, but he mm -hmm. uses us. Um, and I find it very liberating, Andrew, to just think about, uh, you know, if people are really dead in their transgressions and sins, then that means that evangelism uh, is, is similar to, to walking through a cemetery and speaking to caskets. It's, it's our job to speak to the caskets, but it's God's job to crack them open. Hmm. And, and when we remember that really it's on him, then we can go to bed at night knowing that people's eternal destiny doesn't, doesn't resi reside on our shoulders. That is very liberating. And for the people who are listening today or watching thinking, oh man, like it's on me. It's just a reminder. You can just breathe. You can remove that heavy weight from your shoulder. It's not on you. It's not on you at all. I love the analogy of uh, just the postman. We're just delivering the message. We don't alter it. We don't change it. We don't edit it. We just deliver it and trust. Uh, and one other, yeah. And, and one other thing I should mention, because someone might be listening and thinking, well, what about prayer? You know, you haven't really said much about prayer. That's a big part of this chapter is that we start to speak, but we do so prayerfully hmm. understanding that, that only God can accomplish um, salvation. And, and here is what I think it's just, it's a simple observation, but it's, it's so helpful for me when I just realize, remember this, the, the greatest obstacle to evangelism is not atheists. The greatest obstacle to evangelism is not, uh, uh, you know, and any, it's not even Satan. The greatest obstacle to evangelism is Christians who don't share the gospel. <laughs> uh, and it, it may seem counter, it may seem odd to think about it this way, but most people that you encounter in your everyday life who don't know Christ. So think about specific faces and specific names. Think about that neighbor or that coworker or that family member or that, that stranger that you, you regularly see in the, in the grocery store, whatever. Most of the lost persons we interact with have never rejected the gospel. Hmm. They have never rejected the gospel and that's because they've never heard it. They have rejected what they think is the gospel. But I mm. guarantee that if you were to do a, a little a poll of those people and say, hey, what is the gospel? You are not going to get Ephesians 2, 8, 9 in response. They're, they're, they're going to respond with some version of moralism, some version of being a good person, which means they've never had the opportunity to even reject the real thing. So at the very least, evangelism is an act of love because you are combating ignorance so that the person can even just come to the point where they know what it is they can accept or reject. Wow. 
That's huge. Again, it goes back to just the idea of like you're bringing them the furniture, you're filling the room. It's empty right now. They have no idea mm-hmm. what to even think. That's really fascinating to understand and to wrap your head around that. Wow. You know, you mentioned in this book, um, you know, when there's a good book on a good topic, it, it brings inspiration and it just kind of puts, you know, the passion and a hunger uh, for that specific topic. And I do have to say, man, this has done that for me. And I, and I hope people will capitalize on uh, getting this as a free gift because this this could be very formative and life-changing for you uh, on your walk with the Lord. What is some just closing remarks for the young adult who's listening? Uh, how would you encourage them on, on, you know, next steps? Okay, we went through these five things. Is there just one thing you can maybe just tell them on, on our way out of this conversation to just encourage them where they are? Absolutely. I would say be of good cheer. Hmm. God is more willing to save sinners than sinners are willing to be saved. In other words, I think we can sometimes think that God is, uh, you know, he's begrudgingly willing to do it, but he'll do it in small doses and small amounts. But the reality is he loves to save Hmm. sinners. I mean, when, when, when he leads Abraham out to show him his spiritual future, all of the, the, the descendants, he does not point to a cluster of trees and say, so shall your offspring be. He doesn't point to a pile of pebbles. No, he, he points towards stars and sand. As far as you know, human eyes can see, we are not dealing with a God who is stingy with his with his grace. And mm. sure enough, in the, in the very last book of the Bible, Revelation 7, 9, the, the apostle John is describing the throne room of heaven and he cannot count everyone who's there. I mean, that, that, that's how crowded it will be on the last day because we are dealing with a God who is so lavish, so abundant, mm. so over the top with his generosity and grace. And so I would say, let that reality that God loves to save sinners and he's still in the business of doing so, let that propel you to go talk to that person you're afraid to speak with because you just never know when the Lord might intervene in a surprising way for his glory and for your encouragement. Ah, so good, man. So good. Thank you so much for firstly writing this book creating a resource for us. Thank you. Thank you for your time today and unpacking some of it for us. And uh, I just pray all the best for you in your ministry, in your new church plant. Happy first birthday uh, to all of you. Um, And uh, we're just grateful for you. Uh, Thank you so much. Thanks, Andrew. Really been, uh, it's been fun. And thanks for being patient with me. with my uh, unprofessional setup here. (laughs) That's amazing. Thank you so much. Well, that was a fantastic interview, except for the fact that I basically don't even feel like a Christian anymore. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, super curious. You're not confident in your salvation. Walk me through that, Donnie. Do we need to talk (laughs) about Romans 9 again? (laughs) Uh, Romans 9. Um, No, but really, though, it's like, it's very confronting, very convicting. Um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities that we need to actually open ourselves instead of sitting around, twiddling our thumbs, waiting for an opportunity to evangelize. Yep. Actually, mm-hmm. we need to go out and we need to speak the truth yep. and open doors, yep. not just wait. Well, you heard that voice crack? I didn't actually. I didn't catch How that. How can I speak the truth if I don't even have a voice? <laughs> <clears throat> By your deeds. You don't need, oh, you don't oh, need to okay. tell people about the guy. Wow. <laughs> Shoot, and here we go. Backpedaling to the unbiblical quote. Nice. Fascinating. I do hear that quote a lot. Yeah. And I like how he said it's not that, you know, there's good intentions with the quote. Yeah. We don't want to be hypocrites. We want to to live out our faith too, but words are very necessary. Yeah. Preach the gospel. Yeah. Preach the gospel. I loved how he just said, you know, it's the same thing as saying, you know what? Go and, uh, you know, feed the hungry and if necessary, (laughs) use food. As a last resort, you can feed them. (laughs) That's crazy. But that's exactly what it is. Well, it means spiritually feed the hungry, obviously. (laughs) Yes. 
Yes. Yes. Um, but uh, any other takeaways you guys had? That was that was. A, I mean, there's so many things. Well, to the part he brought up about love being a more a bigger motivator than fear. Yep. I it's thought like, that was huge. Ouch. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, yep. you're right. Yep. So I would have thought fear was the big one and love is like, yep. you know, not a big deal, but mm-hmm. it's actually uh, the lovelessness. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yep. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, never make a decision based on fear. That's how yeah, I live my fear life. Yeah, because fear and logic don't actually coexist. Mm-hmm. Not all that. Sometimes. That's like, true. If like you, a healthy fear? Yeah, yeah. Like don't jump into a pool of sharks and you should be afraid and your fear will drive you not to do that. That seems illogical to me, man. <laughs> Can't the Lord protect you from the fish? From the, <laughs> the sharks? Fish. Flashback to Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Actually, no. <laughs> In fact, he might encourage it. <laughs> I'm just okay. kidding. Um, yeah, that's that's a... You guys remember that VeggieTales, <laughs> the VeggieTales Jonah episode? In the belly of the whale, I'm swimming. Wait, is that... Is that... Is that VeggieTales? Is that VeggieTales? Or no, is that, I, what is is that, that? Newsboys? It is. It's Newsboys. Yeah, Sorry, news I got Newsboys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Wow. Yeah, Confusing yeah. Newsboys Sorry, and VeggieTales. Sorry, my child is just... <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Newsboys, if you're watching. Appreciate your ministry. <laughs> and VeggieTales, I guess. Uh, and, ve- and the VeggieTales episode is also hilarious. Yeah. Anyways. Actually, we're going to have Peter Furler and... Bob the tomato on next together. Week. Oh, yes, dude, can we contact like the creators or, so, or some of the actors in and get them on who, the show? I have a friend who does all the music for it. No way, hundred percent. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yep. Veggie Tales coming to an episode near you. Um, what stuck out to you besides fear and logic and the fish and sharks? <laughs> Chris, you want to go first? I'm still oh, stuck in the whole well, idea. I, of the I elect. did. <laughs> I, I brought up the love aspects. Yeah, and, he did. And then the lo- we went down the rabbit trail of. Oh yes, fearing yes. sharks. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't think anything specific stood out to me. It's it was just like a good reminder. It's a uh, good yeah. reminder. Actually, I, that yeah. that pen quote too. Speaking yes. of like Ben pens. Pen? No, no, not pen pen, pen but the, oh pen. <laughs> just kidding. And teller. Do you know? Fun fact about Egyptians. This is a side note yeah. that they get their P's and B's backwards. Really? Interesting. Yeah, they go like bark the car. Huh. Huh. Interesting. So we could call Ben Pen. Hmm. So and pen ben could be Ben and Teller. Ben, ben and Teller. <laughs> yeah, that's what the Egyptian would say. Ben and Teller, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that is an interesting quote, though, where he's just saying, "If you actually did have the truth, yep. like, how could you not tell us?" Yeah. And that's just because we're scared. Sorry, we're scared. We don't love you. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Technically, that's what it comes down to, we're yep. scared of yep. your response because we don't know what it's going to be. And, he, and yep. remember, he mentioned Matt mentioned like usually the worst case we hear in our heads. Oh, this is how it's going to happen. Is not what usually happens in ninety six percent of the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. our biggest fears are not an actual reality yeah. for us. But uh, I did like how we talked about grasping the gospel, having a proper understanding of the gospel. If mm-hmm. you don't have an understanding of the gospel, how yep. can you bring the gospel out if it's not even in? Mm-hmm. But one that was really huge was check your context. He kind of walked mm-hmm. through the reality that the Bible is basically offensive to all cultures throughout history just show that it's a supernatural book, but also um, it doesn't change when culture changes. I just loved how he was bringing mm-hmm. that up because I just, again, I just see over and over again yeah. people just fitting in rather than standing out. Yeah, when you're talking about like knowing the gospel, like I have friends that like, if you were to ask them, like I know they know what the gospel is, but they're not prepared to say what it is in like a concise manner to evangelize. Yeah. Like if I were to ask them, what's the gospel? They're like, oh, well, and they would kind of like stutter their way through it. And it's like, yeah. I know you know what it is. And like you you just haven't thought about a concise way to present it yet. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of sad, but like that's the reality of it. Yeah. A I know people in, do that. In our community group, we did a thing where we would, you know, have an elevator pitch of yeah, your, before, of your yeah. testimony. Yeah. So it's like, be ready to share your story so you're ready. But I wonder if we prepare ourselves to just have the right words so that we're ready when we're on our toes and something happens to us or an oppor- opportunity presents itself to us to almost have like the gospel elevator pitch. Mm. Would that be helpful? Yeah, it would. Actually, uh, flashback to previous episode, Greg Steer. I don't know what okay. episode it is, but he talks about that. Okay. And Having like an some, elevator pitch yeah. basically for, yeah. Yeah, you he has some pretty cool stories with that. How like he would go to, there was some public speaker or public preacher with the megaphone yelling at people, you know, those nice. street corner guys. I love those guys. And then <laughs> he would he would just walk up to the crowd and start talking to people. And oh, then, wow. 
wow. you know, convert them that way. And then afterwards, you talk to the the preacher. He's like, oh, so how'd you do? And the preacher's like, oh, man, nobody got saved. Everyone just hated me and persecution. <laughs> and Greg's like, well, actually, you know, while you were doing that, talk to three people. Yeah, mm. interesting, hey? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Matt kind of brought that up, too, about, like, you know, personal. The, the love. Yeah. The yeah. love aspect and how it's personal. Mm-hmm. And uh, shouting it out from, you know, doesn't always work. Yeah. yeah. It could. Yeah. You know, he talked about how both ditches, like, you know, there there's dangers, but there's also, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Benefits. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought that was that was really, really helpful. So I encourage you, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this on a podcast, go to indoubt.ca and you can get this book before you share your faith for absolutely free. And as Donnie said earlier, you know, free. Like, well, April 1st. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> it's March 27th. It's March 27th. So you go there, you put in the promo code, and it'll be like, error. Error. No promo. You must wait. <laughs> yes. We're just teasing you. Starting April 1st. Starting April 1st. Uh, you can get this book for free, so I highly but recommend you put that in your calendar. But that red one right now is but free. But that red one. That looks cool. Oh, this yeah. one right here. So if you're That's listening awesome. on podcast, you're like, what red one? What are you talking about? What, what's going on? Well, that, that one looks cooler anyways. This, this one looks pretty cool. Okay, we have to admit that one looks You read the red one first. Yeah, you read the red one first. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a wombo combo and a half right there, folks. Well, because he said, grasp the gospel. Yep, there you go. So <laughs> grab this. It's March 27th. You have a couple of days left. Get this book. Read it so you're prepared. You grasp the gospel, the good news. And then on April 1st, you can get your second book for free. Wow. And uh, put that gospel into practice by sharing your faith. God's providence, folks. God's providence. Crazy how that works. All the time. (laughs) We didn't even plan that. Crazy. All right. Well, you know what? Thanks for tuning in today. I'm looking at Chris. I'm looking at Brendan. I'm actually thanking them personally. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you guys so much. for. I actually am really (laughs) grateful for you both. I'm grateful for you, man. Oh, thank you. I love you, man. I love you too, bro. I love you, man. Uh, And all of you who tuned in, who watched or listened, thank you for tuning in. We hope you have a great (laughs) Monday and a great week. We love you as well. And uh, when in doubt, figure it out. How? Make lots of money. Oh, that's not it. No, it's not. (laughs) That's not it. Donnie should never uh, send us off (laughs) because he'll send us off with heresy. But uh, you know what? (laughs) Grasp the gospel. That's what we should do. Go down with a bang, folks. No, no. when in doubt, figure it out. How? Grasp the gospel. Love. Oh, I had an idea before we end. A way to evangelize. You wait outside an elevator and wait till someone walks in (laughs) and then go in with them and be like, oh, since I got you here. (laughs) Oh, you're going to the 18th floor? Interesting. We got some time. Do you want to hear my 30-second Jesus elevator pitch? Go in and you hit every single button. (laughs) Oh, like elf. Up and down, up and down. It's like a Christmas tree. Anyways, Jesus. (laughs) That's a perfect idea. I, I haven't tried it. it. I haven't tried Another it. Another way that I've actually done it before is on a plane. Seatbelt light goes on. Oh, yep. sucker. You're stuck here now, boss. <laughs> Listen to actually, this. Actually, Phil, Phil Calloway did that. Did he? He did, yeah. Yep. I yeah. love Phil Calloway. I don't know if he converted the guy, but he had like a really good like three-hour conversation with him. Well, the guy has no choice. Yeah, that's yep. literally <laughs> that's what he said. It was He's hilarious. actually stuck yeah. for three hours. So yeah. there are opportunities around. Find them and uh, love people well. Share the gospel. Be bold. Be confident. Get this book so you can figure out what are the ways that you can really get hold of life and the gospel and truth before you even open your mouth to speak. But remember, it's important to speak. We preach the gospel with our words as well. So have a great Monday. God bless you. We'll see you next week.